From the Raptors, the NCAA, and around the NBA, Toronto basketball fans, this is your home court with Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, and Josh Lewenberg on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Good afternoon. What's going on, basketball fans? Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of Home Court, the first one of 2018. Meg McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lundberg. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Megan. Happy New Year. Basketball New Year. Do you have a resolution? Do you do resolutions? I do not. My resolution is to not do resolutions. That's fair. <laughs> have, you, have you been keeping it? So far. So far. Consistency is key here. (laughs) I've never understood resolutions. Like, evaluate evaluate monthly goals. Make monthly goals. I like that. It shouldn't have to. The the worst part of the year is, like, January when the gym is packed. You can't use any machines. It it lasts for six weeks. Oh, yeah. By February, they're all gone. The people who make resolutions, and yeah, I'm talking to you guys, are the people who kind of look for... Oh, I'm going to wait, and it's December or November. I'm going to wait till January to start doing whatever right. I do, and just keep doing it all the time. That's all it is. I saw, I saw a funny meme that was like, my new year doesn't start till February 1st, because I have a month to like test it out or something, and like a trial month. <laughs> I was like, what? I've been seeing it like going viral all over the place. Um, but no, like, I mean, I, I don't know if you'd call it a resolution, but I'm going to try every day to find three positives and three things I'm grateful for and write those down. Because, you know, like, for example, if you don't have hot water for a couple days, then all of a sudden you get it back. Like, you're grateful to have hot water again. So it's like finding little things that, you know, try not to figure out, like, you know, focus on the negatives. Because well, I find Casey's that... he's found a lot of, a lot of positives. A lot. For a guy who tries to find constructive things to find, <laughs> there's a lot of positives for me finding definitely in the New Year so far. 100%. As you heard in the update from John Leatherby, they've got another winning streak going. And, you know, the last three, when you look at it, they've been very convincing uh, wins even that close one in overtime against Milwaukee at the ACC. I think that was still a convincing win, just with the way that they played and battled, and you know took every punch that Milwaukee tried to throw at them. Um, so they got that overtime win, and they went into Chicago, cold, windy, windy Chicago. That you know the whole north, all of North America seems to be in like this polar vortex right now, including like Florida. It's like only like fifty degrees there, which. That's like winter jacket weather for Floridians. Um, they get that win, and then, you know, we saw that convincing, that thromping, throttling, like, win last night again over Milwaukee. Um, Those are some adjectives you got there. <laughs> I like that. It was. New Year's resolution, more outrageous <laughs> adjectives. What do you mean? Like, it just seems like they... For emphasis. They, they, you know, they had those two ugly losses against OKC and Dallas, and then... They came back and they just came back. Like it seemed like they came back swinging. Yeah. And it was like, all right, we got knocked down. Let's get up. Like it's the you know cliche, knock down seven, get up eight. And but they got up like eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, forty, fifteen. And we'll talk about the schedule to come, which will present much tougher tests than the ones that the Raptors have seen here over the last week. That said, this was not um, a. a this was not a, a bad stretch by any right. means. You had uh, Milwaukee twice, a very good team, uh, had been playing good basketball. And even Chicago, their record um, isn't indicative of how they've been playing since they got Nikola Mirotic back mm-hmm. about a month ago. They've been playing really good ball, too. So, I mean, absolutely, this has been an impressive stretch. And I, I guess the big question, the overarching question is always, will things be different for the Raptors in the playoffs this year? And the answer, of course, is 
We don't know. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But I actually think that last night was even more encouraging in that regard than Monday's exciting victory over Milwaukee and, of course, that 52-point masterpiece from DeMar DeRozan. What we saw last night that we didn't see on Monday, of course, in addition to a blowout win, is... The Raptors playing their new style of basketball. They won using their new system, moving the ball, shooting the three, getting other guys involved. I mean, listen, we knew, and certainly the Raptors knew, that the Bucks were not letting DeMar DeRozan go off for 52 again. They, like they were doing last spring in the playoffs, were throwing everything they had at DeMar, trying to get the ball out of his hands, forcing other guys to make plays. But DeMar was making great reads. The Raptors, as a team, were incredibly patient offensively. They moved the ball. They got other guys involved, and everyone produced. That's the way you want to win, and that's the way the Raptors are going to have to win in the playoffs. Yeah, when you talk about this team and how they're different, I think, you look at, by and large, this team is carried by DeMar and Kyle, and that's fair because they are the two All-Stars. But, you know, Josh, you mentioned you got a balanced attack where there's different people stepping up, and we're going to save JV because he stepped up in a big way, obviously. But, I mean, the ball moved. You know, Serge had a good game. You have other guys who can provide answers for this team, and that's that's the nature of the offense, where it's a ball movement, where it's 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 skill by committee. So it's not a matter of like when they throw double teams at Demar Derozan, um, the offense gets neutralized. Right. He's been able to find other guys, and other guys have been able to step up and knock down shots. And just the defensive approach has been better as well. Seven guys in double figures last night in Milwaukee. The team as a whole shot fifty six percent, twenty five assists on forty eight buckets. That's the way you want to play. And and that was the issue in the playoffs the last few years, right? It's okay. You've got a team that has the time in the postseason and obviously has the motivation to really lock in on your tendencies and what you do. And, Dwayne, to your point for the Raptors, it was always stop DeMar, stop Kyle. And then what do you do? Right. What's your counter if you're Toronto? What's your plan B? What's your plan C? And quite frankly, and and this was something that they... they, evaluated over the summer is those counters weren't good enough, weren't strong enough. So now if you're able to diversify your attack to empower everyone else on the court and find ways to utilize everyone else on the court, it makes you less predictable and it makes you harder to stop as we saw last night. I actually think too, and I'm I'm trying to like go back in my head and think if I've said this to you guys before or if it was more just in like a random conversation. And I don't know if you would, either of you would agree with this thought, but to me, it actually seems like this style of offense fits Kyle and DeMar's game way better than what we've seen with the ISO basketball. Like, don't get me wrong, their ISO basketball games are great, and they can get some wicked numbers, but for some reason, this it seems like they are playing at a completely different level. And I know Kyle has had some struggles off and on this season, but it seems like when he's struggling, he finds other ways to lead this team, whether it's getting after defensively, picking up those charges that every Raptors fan, coach, Alec McKechnie, Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster all cringe when they see that little bulldog stand in the paint and take a hit from a guy the size of, you know, Andre Drummond, for example. I just feel that this style and this offense actually fits them better in the way they play because it allows them to get other players involved to your both of your points, but then it still allows them to play the way they want to play within the flow of it. And that's a big-time credit to them, right? Yeah, because who would have thought that we would have been saying that a few months ago? 
but they've adjusted. Yeah. They've bought in and, and they've adapted to what the Raptors are trying to do. Yeah, I think I think it suits the Raptors as a whole better, but I think is you know, you look at younger players when they want to get the money and get contracts and get individual stats and whatnot, but they, they've had plenty of time to, to thrive in this Raptors system and become all-stars, but now they're realizing that we have to take the next level, and that's not going to happen unless they have their teammates, and I think more importantly, their teammates are stepping up, and I mean, you know, JV had a monster game last night, but even you got guys like Fred and Delon who are stepping up, and it's like, you don't even know where it's going to come from, but they know that they can count on the teammates, have the confidence in them to deliver, and they're going to do it, and it makes their games even easier. We thought we had DeMar DeRozan pegged, both yep. in the sense of, of his ceiling, this is how good he could be, right. but also the type of player that he was, Megan, as you were saying, he's an ISO player, he's a mid-range player, right. but he continues to evolve to the point in which it, we, we don't know how good he can be, and we don't even know what kind of player he is because all of a sudden he's doing something that we never thought we'd see him do. He's shooting the three ball both in terms of volume and accuracy. Right. He's getting other guys involved. He's even been better defensively. So I do think, I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with that theory, Megan, because he is playing the best basketball of his career, and he's doing it under this new system. So absolutely, it's been an ideal system for him in a way that nobody would have expected. Remember, when we were talking about the Raptors implementing this new system, mm-hmm. we were looking at their roster, understanding that it was going to be more or less the same personnel. Right. It was DeMar DeRozan that everyone figured would have the biggest problem fitting in. Right. If anything, he's been the face of this new system. Uh, Lowry had some difficulty, I think, initially fitting in. And I think of the big three, I guess the big four if you include JV, maybe it's Serge that's had the toughest time fitting in just because I I do think, I I mean, his passing isn't his strength. Um, and, and he's not always sort of a free-flowing offensive player, but even he's sort of finding his comfort zone a little bit. I that kind of wanted to like touch on the bench as well too quickly like Siakam is this sort of is he still much like I mean you could even toss in like a norm too the two of them seem to be still struggling to find their fitting I think Siakam is finding his more on the defensive end and being that energy player much like we saw him last year but it seems the offense for both of them is still Lacking, I think the like is okay because I think he is the energy guy and he's going to bring that defense and hustle. The problem is the offense does allow for opportunities where you have to take that shot, and he's right. obviously struggling immensely with a three point shot, so he needs to be able to knock that down. But I mean, he's going to find his way doing other things. I think, you know, Norm, you touched on, he's the guy, and I mean, he got six minutes in garbage time last night, and he still didn't really look quite like the norm we've come to see. And I think, you know, right now he's on the outside looking in. And when you have so many guys who can step up and contribute and play like the, the backup point guards are doing right now as well, uh, and, you know, CJ Miles' shot is on, it's going to be tough for him to find a moment to get that in there. What I love about Pascal Siakam, which I can tell you Dwayne Casey loves about Pascal Siakam, is he knows exactly who he is as a player. The things that he does, especially on the defensive end, uh, those are consistent. He's going to do that every night. He's going to come in and bring energy, and that changes the the tempo, the flow of a game. You're right, Dwayne. I, I think offensively, it's still a work in progress. The jump shot hasn't been there to the mm-hmm. degree in which they need it to be, the, the degree in which I think he needs it to be in order to take the next step. That's clearly his next, the next step in his 
continued evolution, and of course he's still young, it's his second year, it'll happen, especially considering how much work he's putting in on that jump shot. But for Norm, and he's sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum right now, I don't think he knows who he is. He's an attacking guard. Uh, he's great at getting to the rim. The question is, okay, well, what do you do once you're there? Right. Teams are starting to adjust to him now. Last year, it was his finishing. He was getting to the rim. He was finishing either with a dunk or uh, an acrobatic layup. But teams are prepared now. They're right. waiting for him to get there. So in the same way, I always make this comparison with him and a young DeMar DeRozan. Because DeMar used to have that tunnel vision, too. Yep. And then defenses would lock in on him. And eventually, with time, experience, and hard work, he learned how to... To adjust, how to use that defensive attention uh, to his advantage, almost leverage it to find his teammates and make the better play, make the right play. Norm is still learning how to do that. So right now, when he's attacking, the ball isn't going in, he's not making his shots, he's frustrated, and unlike Siakam, he's not doing all the other things he needs to do to both make a positive impact and ultimately stay on the court. Right. And talking about the bench, of course, you know, we talked at some points how there's like 12 guys who can contribute and then out of nowhere, Baby Nagara comes in and shows up and after being injured and gives great minutes after JB gets into foul trouble. And I think the fact that you have a guy of his size come in, be a rim protector, change shots, um, make the right passes, catch those lobs, like, it's a, it's a good problem for Coach Casey to have, but the fact that he can step up and do that, it's great too. I'm going to pose this on our way to break. It'll give you time to think about it. Should Norm think about going on assignment to the 905? Just think about it. Let it let it marinate. We'll go to break. When we return, we'll talk the next four. They've got quite the schedule ahead of them. Head over to the TSN 1050 Twitter page, and you can get in on the poll question. Jack Armstrong will join us at 1.30. Keep it locked. You're listening to Home Court right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back. Home court right here on TSN 1050. Josh, Dwayne, Megan. New year, no resolutions. So, gentlemen, I asked you before the break. You know, we were talking Norm, Pascal, Siakam. Do you think, because we all know, like, we've we've seen it. Norm goes to the, he gets in the gym, he gets shots off. He, he gets in the workouts outside of practice and whatnot. Do you think that maybe an assignment, whether it's, you know, one or two games showcases coming up this week so it can't be during that time but once showcase is done do you think that maybe one or two games is something that he needs just to get on the floor do some stuff get back to himself could that maybe be a helpful type of thing that he does like i, I, like I, I it, don't know i look at the source of the question the source of the question is the play-by-play call for the Raptors 9 of 5, Megan McPeak. We've won eight straight, so I, it doesn't affect me <laughs> no, either I, I way. I know you would appreciate I'm it, thinking, calling the games, but I think for Norm, I think when he comes down to the 9 of 5, he becomes the DeMar DeRozan of that team. Yeah, He becomes the offensive focus to run the place for him. He gets to do everything he wants to do. And right. that'd be great for his confidence. And that's why I was asking. Was, but I think but when he comes up to the Raptors, he's not that guy. Like, right. He's got to find his spots in a certain way. And I think it's not going to, it'll be great for his confidence, but he still has to know how to play with the way he's playing right now. Right. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily going to benefit him in that regard. Well, that's just it. There, there's pros and cons to it. And, of course, he's in his third year, so the Raptors can still send him down to the G League if that's what they choose to do. Uh, as you said, it, it could help his confidence. And I do think there's value in that because clearly he seems a little bit defeated right now. At the same time, as you said, Dwayne, his biggest issue right now is trying to do too much. Yep. Mm-hmm. What the Raptors are really trying to get 
uh, him to do is, is sort of stay within his lane, his role with the team. And when he goes down to the 905, his role is completely different. Yeah. So, What if Stackhouse made his role similar in his assignment that it would be with the Raptors? Like, tried his best to at least accommodate and be like, okay, we're not going to put the focal point on you. We're going to allow you to do what you would be expected. You know what I mean? They tried to do do that the last couple of years, too, where they really emphasized, okay, go down and and make plays. You're the playmaker here. And he did that, but at the same time, it's easier said than done, right? Right. To just say, okay, well, uh, be the... Be the fourth guy in the offense, but on a team where you're clearly the number one guy. Right. On, it's a different. It's, it's like easier it, said than done. It's like in summer league or any other or or a pickup ball. If he's going to play with guys who are you know it, yeah. aren't in the NBA, it's it, it, it's you you can't play in that role unless you are in, in that, that role. role. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, and he's forced to be in that role in the Raptors, so it's really he's gonna. I mean, the thing is. The luxury the Raptors have is that they, I mean, of course they like to have him at his optimal best, but they don't need him to be. So whatever the process takes for him, like hopefully like he doesn't continue to get further and further, but better and better with each game. Yeah, I mean, he needs to stay patient, stay confident, continue putting in the work as we know that he'll do, and then he needs to take advantage of the opportunity when and if it presents itself. It, it will present itself. He will get uh, another opportunity to prove himself in the rotation like Bebe did yesterday, and he exactly. was ready. So, I, I mean, there is obvious cause for optimism in the sense that Norm did this the last couple of years. He always seemed ready when called upon, and now he needs to do the same thing again. Our poll question this week, you can head over on the Twitterverse at TSN 1050 Radio. The Raptors have an interesting four-game stretch coming up. How many will, wins will the Raptors get in their next four-game stretch? They've got Brooklyn, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State in that order. Uh, on the 8th, the 9th, 11th, and 13th, if my memory serves me correct. It's a tough week. Tough week. You have 0-1, to 2, 3, or 4 as your option currently right now. 2 is leading with 52%. And 3 is second place with 35%. A two-fold question to you on that. 1, what is your thought on that? And 2, depending on how they do on this stretch, could that maybe change the perception of this Raptors team that currently we continue to hear within you know, the national media the NBA media, the NBA as a whole, etc. fans. This is a huge week in that sense. I'll, I'll answer the second one first in that there are a lot of people that are still skeptical and understandably so about what this Raptors team is capable of because of how they fared against elite competition in the playoffs the last couple of years, especially last year against the Cavs when they were swept. Now, we're not going to be able to answer definitively what this team is capable of over the next week, even against these great teams, because as we know, judgment day for them doesn't come until April and May. It's right. the playoffs. It's always been about the playoffs. So nothing they do in the next month will be make or break. That said, I do think you can learn a lot about a team during a stretch like this. And we will learn a lot about them. So there is an opportunity here for them to change the perception of them, not just league-wide, but even locally. I think a lot of people in the city have sort of been taking a wait-and-see approach. Well, this is a chance now for you to get a lot of those people back on board if they were uh, paying attention to the Leafs or whatever else. Uh, This is an opportunity for you to grab their attention. League-wide, 
that game against Cleveland on Thursday is a nationally televised game in the U.S. It's on TNT. Win that game, and all of a sudden, a lot more people are talking about you. Yeah, that's almost a tipping point in the sense of how this team has played this season, and people are starting to recognize DeMar DeRozan, they're starting to recognize the Raptors, they're seeing the team playing well, and they've been seeing it for years, so they're starting to kind of like, well, maybe they're for real. If they go in and beat Cleveland on, 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 on TNT, people are going to start saying, hey, you know what, this team does have something, there's something going on there. I think they're going to take three of the games, and I think... Three? Yeah. I said three, too. I said three. Wow, okay. Brooklyn's playing well, Miami's playing really good right now. I think they can beat Cleveland. The problem is the Miami game, which isn't going to be easy, is also right. the second night of a back-to-back. So that's and there's be travel t- involved. So the, and there's travel involved. So that's going to be a tough game, too. And then, I, yeah, like Cleveland, Golden State, it, this is going to be really tough. And I, I do think if you take two of them, I, I think they're going to take two of them. I'm, I'm not sure which two. <laughs> it, I think if you take two of the four, that's a success. We'll keep this conversation going. We'll We'll ask Jack. He's... On the road with them right now as they're getting set to take on Brooklyn on the 8th. We'll continue on here. In his hometown. In his hometown. I imagine he's getting a lot of pizza right now after his run. Jack likes to get his run in. We continue on here. We'll be joined by Jack Armstrong coming up. You're listening to Home Court right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 headquarters. Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson, Megan McPeak. And joining us now on the line, Brooklyn native. He's the coach. He's our friend. It's Jack Armstrong. Jack, I haven't seen you, so Happy New Year. Thank you, Megan. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. How are you? How is how cold is it right now in Brooklyn? Because it's, you know, polar vortex is happening right now across North America. It's been cold, and uh, I haven't been outside yet. I was at the gym this morning, and now I'm going to be going out in a few minutes to go visit my mom. So, uh, uh, but all good, and... Uh, can't wait to see her, and it's nice to be home for a few days and uh, back at it on Monday night. Well, Jack, the Raptors got two really solid, convincing wins over Milwaukee. They got the win against Chicago, and they are getting a lot of production from everywhere, it seems now. DeMar DeRose and Kyle Lowry, they're playing some of their best basketball, especially DeMar. And I said to Dwayne and Josh, Kyle just seems to continue, whether he's struggling offensively, he seems to continue to find a way to lead this team in other facets. What have you seen? You know, you're you're right there. You're at the court. You're with this team consistently. What have you seen in what Kyle's been able to do, even with the struggles he's experienced this summer? Or season, excuse me. Uh, you know, he just makes winning plays. Uh, last night... Uh, Two big steals, uh, deflections, rebounds, assists. Uh, he just has a, a great, uh, you know, what do they say about good actors? Good age presence. And he has that. Uh, he understands the moment. He understands when he's got a great level of play. Uh, he's an incredibly smart guy. Uh, knows the game inside and out. Uh, he's fanatical in terms of, of the details and, uh, does a super job with that. And, uh, you know, he um, statistically, you know, some of it is the fact that he plays less minutes this year. Some of it is the style of play, you know, that uh, it's more equal opportunity. There's less times where uh, they're riding him. And uh, to him, I think uh, I give him a lot of credit for just how he's handled that. And uh, he probably isn't going to make the all-star game. Uh, but I think he, you know, he's about winning. And it's the point of career, 
uh, where, you know, you, you look around and you say, well, I got a lot of money. That's great. But it's not about me. It's about we. And uh, it's about, you know, getting to a point as a franchise, your legacy uh, that you haven't been to. And that is to get to the NBA Finals and try to play for to win the whole thing. And uh, that's something that he's been to an Eastern Conference Finals, uh, made a lot of money. He's made all-star games. The question is, get an opportunity to play on the big stage uh, and be one of the final team. And you do whatever it takes. And I give him a lot of credit for that, that kind of approach that uh, I think you know he and everyone on this absolutely has to have, and they do. Jack, uh, Jonas Valanciunas has sort of been the forgotten man over the last couple of weeks. Certainly, he's had his issues matching up with the quicker, longer Milwaukee team over the last couple of years. Picked up the two quick fouls last night, but then that third quarter was arguably the best quarter he's ever played. Outscored and out-rebounded the Bucks in that frame. What did you see from him there in the third? What stood out? And ultimately, uh, what does he need to do to make sure that those quarters become more of the norm than the exception? Well, I don't know if a quarter like that could ever be a norm. Right. <laughs> po- positive quarters. Because <laughs> he's going to be in the Springfield if he, uh, if he has quarters like that on a regular basis. Um, no, to me, I, I just I look at him, Josh, as... Uh, someone that when you involve him and you get him deep paint touches, he's that much more effective. And, and I'm a big believer sometimes that he catches the ball too far out on the left wing, doesn't get deep enough on his sweet spot, and he's not able to navigate against quicker, longer opponents that way. But when he's able to get the ball in deep in the post, now his size and strength, they can't handle that. I don't care how long and quick they are. When a beast like that gets it inside, uh, those guys are physically overwhelmed. And I think that's the difference. When you play quicker, longer guys, you've got to get to where you can be of benefit to yourself and to your team, and that is in a place where those guys physically can't handle you. And I think he got to that place last night, and I give the Raptors a lot of credit. uh, When Milwaukee then went small, Wayne Casey has a tendency to try to match the opponent instead of trying to punish the opponent. And in my opinion, that third quarter, they punished them. They took their heart from them. They ripped their heart out. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that Valentunas and Ibaka were just in beast mode. And and DeRozan was just off the charts. And their defense picked it up. Uh, But that was a, a bigger unit on the floor doing that, not a smaller Jack, as a coach, I mean, Coach Casey has a, a luxury of a lots of different options and variables. Or, you know, he has two great, capable back uh, backup point guards. There is it. Is it more challenging to have that many good options and choices as a coach, or is it better to have limited options where you know what you can get out of certain people? You know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, there's, there's always the thought process of less is more and cohesiveness, and and you know, everyone knows when they're coming in, when they're coming out, and all that. But, you know, today's NBA, the dynamics are so unique on a nightly basis. Uh, the skill sets are different. The style of play is different. Uh, I think it, it's probably to their benefit uh, to have all this versatility. Um, now, uh, how that plays out in the playoffs, uh, 
obviously, you know, the opponent is going to load up more with their better players playing bigger minutes. And now those second unit guys got to match, you know, all stars, you know, get in the trenches with better players on a consistent basis. So only time will tell if that benefits you or not. But I think they have a lot of ways to change the look, the personality, the style of the game within the personality of the game uh, from, from you know, three or four minute stretch to another three or four minute stretch. They can have a completely different looking team out there. Uh, and I don't know how many teams in the league have that luxury. And I think a lot of it comes down to just uh, the alertness and awareness and the, and the gut sense of Dwayne Casey of being able to kind of feel the game and read the game of what's needed during that stretch. And I said this at the end of the second quarter last night, you know, you're paid big bucks to adapt and adjust at halftime and how you come out to start the third quarter. And number one, great players figure it out. And you saw that in DeMar DeRozan in the third quarter and good coaching staffs figure it out that, you know, you have to, you know, they show you something, you show them something and now what are your counters? You, know, you watch the video in the locker room. You, you, move, you work around the X's and O's on the board, and you go through tactics and philosophical adjustments. Then you come out and you try to put it in play. And I think uh, Dwayne Casey and his coaching staff have done a really nice job of kind of feeling hot hands and riding hot hands. And I think that's something that uh, I, I highly commend. I think there are times where coaches can coach too much by the book and say, well, he's supposed to come out in the three-and-a-half-minute mark, so he's going to come out at the three-and-a-half-minute mark. When, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that that guy, you ride that guy until he collapses on the court. Because if he's giving it to you, you got to keep riding him. Jack, our poll question this week with regards to this four-game stretch that they have, obviously Brooklyn, Miami on a back-to-back, and then Cleveland and Golden State, out of that stretch... What do you feel the record could be and this outcome could be looking at this Raptors squad? Do you think, you know, they could get, they could go 0 and 4? Do you think they could get one game, two, three, get all four and go 4 and 0 and really shock? And, and do you think that per, the perception based on how they do in this four game stretch will change within the way that everyone looks at this Raptors team? Well, the next two games, I think we would all agree, are trapped because, uh, you know, you're here in New York for two days. They're playing really well right now, so the worst thing to have is two days off instead of one because you want to keep playing. Uh, Brooklyn's playing really well. I love how hard they're playing and how well they're playing. Uh, They've beaten some good opponents. They're coming off a huge win over the Timberwolves. Uh, they got Celtics tonight. That'll be a tough game, but I like how they're playing. They're playing good people tough. So the Raptors are going to have to play very, very well here on Monday to win. Then you got Miami. Tuesday, and look at the standings right now. They're, they're starting to get it together. Uh, they're really well coached. Uh, they move the ball beautifully. They guard you. Uh, you got to get out and guard on the perimeter against them. And, you know, they're, they're going to be sitting in Toronto on Monday night waiting for the Raptors to come in. And then you have all the nonsense of when you get back of people busting your chops about, you know, can I have tickets to the Cavs game? Can I have tickets to the Warriors game? Oh, my God, you got to play those two teams this week. And you got the distraction of looking ahead. So I really think these two games are the tougher ones, as crazy as that sounds. Um, I think 
that you'll be totally prepared and ready to go on Thursday and Saturday against those two teams. I don't worry about that. I don't know whether they'll win those games, but I don't worry about the preparation and the alertness and the desire to win those games. What I worry about are these two games coming up, that if you are punching the clock and you're truly locked in and mature and professional, you come out and you take it to these teams and you find a way. might not be pretty, but you find a way. And if you do that, you're setting yourself up for a really fun week. Well, the uh, Cleveland and Golden State games are obviously the ones that are going to stand out during this stretch. To your point, Jack, you have Brooklyn playing well, and then after that, you have seven consecutive games, as you guys were talking about on the broadcast yesterday, seven straight games against winning teams, really tough teams. Now, uh, obviously, there's a lot of season left to be played. Nothing that happens here over the next few weeks is going to make or break this team, but how much can you learn about a group like this over a stretch like the one that's about to come up for the Raptors? Josh, you have to, because I think that with the trade deadline on moved up this year, I think it's February 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, I, I look at January 20th at that date uh, where they, you know, you met, uh, after the Cleveland and Golden State game, they play at Philly, not easy. Uh, and then you got Detroit at home, San Antonio at home, not easy. Then at Minnesota on a back to back, not easy. And so to me, when you play Minnesota on January 20th, when that game ends, in my opinion, now you're two weeks away, a little more than two weeks away from the trade deadline. You've played really good quality opponents during a stretch. And I think that's the time organizationally when you take a deep breath and you say, okay, how good really are we? And we contend with Cleveland, Boston, Washington, and, you know, all the other teams at least. You know, where do we really fit in the grand scheme of the NBA? I think after this stretch, you'll have a better idea. But in order for this stretch to truly have the meaning uh, you want it to have, I think these next two games set the tone for and and in terms of how you prepare and and the momentum you have going into an incredibly difficult And you're right, nothing makes you a breakthrough. Uh, nonetheless, I think on Minnesota. All right, Jack, you're, uh, unfortunately your connection keeps uh, cutting out, so we're going to have to let you go. We apologize for that. But, you know, Dwayne, Josh, kind of tying into what he was saying, I think that this stretch, to your point, Josh, with the seven games against teams with winning records going into, you know, the pushed up and earlier trade deadline, it really, you know, I think it puts a little pressure not only on Coach Casey and the Raptors, but also on Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri on what they should be looking at if they need to make a move. Yeah, to Jack's point, this is a good evaluation period. You're you're not going to get all these games. No one's expecting you to, but the goal here is to compete, and you've got to find a way, find a way to win, regardless of what the sort of personality of each game is, whether they're high-scoring games, which I'm sure some of them will be. Grinded out, low-scoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
this Raptors team has sort of prided themselves on their versatility in the way that they can win different sorts of games, and we've seen that now over the last few weeks. That was a really tough playoff-like atmosphere in Toronto against mm-hmm. Milwaukee on Monday. They executed down the stretch. They made plays. They were the better team when it counted. And then yesterday, like Jack said, they really pulled away in the third quarter, just put their foot on Milwaukee's throat, and it was over by midway through the third. Uh, you, you've got to find way to win, find ways to win against these types of teams, and we're going to find out what this team is made of. You want to see what you have. I mean, this Raptors team has proven that they can beat up on bad teams and take care of business from right. it. But you want to see how they measure against good teams. How do they fare, you know, against tough comp- competition and tough situations. And I think this stretch will allow them to see, like, not where they rank, but, like, how does your personnel work and what adjustments need to be made or do they have to make a bigger move to make this team better? We continue on here. We want to thank Jack Armstrong for joining us once again, as always. And if he is still listening, say hi to your mom for us and have a good time in Brooklyn. We'll continue on here. We'll talk more Raptors. We'll get into DeMar's world and what the NBA All-Star vote may say. Keep it locked right here. TSN 1050's Home Court. Welcome back. Home Court. TSN 1050 Raptors. Leafs headquarters. Dwayne Watson. Josh Lundberg. I'm Maggie McPeak. We've, gentlemen, we've kind of touched and, you know, peppered in some DeMar DeRozan and in throughout this first 50 minutes of the show and what he's been doing this season and the way he's been playing. I want to sort of delve more into the world of DeMar DeRozan. Let's delve. Take us there. He's second in the guards for all-star voting. Shocked, not shocked. Or surprised would maybe be a better word to use. I'm pleased because he deserves to be. I mean, you could argue he, he should be number one over Kyrie Irving based on the season he's having. But absolutely, those two are are the top guards in the East right now. We actually talked about this um, before the, I guess it would have been before the Chicago game in terms of where... DeMar DeRozan ranks among Eastern Conference players yeah. right now, and, and not just speaking specifically about guards, but you've got, obviously, LeBron, you've got Giannis, Kyrie is right there, but outside of those guys, DeMar might be having, what, the third or fourth best season in the Eastern Conference right now? So the fact that he is getting that recognition in uh, the first All-Star voting returns, uh, that's a good thing. You can't talk Raptors without talking to DeMar DeRozan. I mean, you know, last year or in the season, he was scoring like a machine on fire or whatever. But now this year, it's it's even better. We talked about this in the beginning of the show where he's elevated his game in different ways. And I right. think uh, to what Josh said, like he is one of the best players in the conference. And um, not surprised because I think that the fans do recognize what he can do. I think when you talk about what he's delivering, Kyrie, of course, is there. But I don't necessarily think there's another guard that's doing what he's doing right now. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Kyle Lowry, who ranks eighth (laughs) among guards in the East. To put that into some context, he is just behind a dude who's played in one game this season, 19 minutes, Isaiah Thomas, and behind a 35-year-old reserve who also resides in Cleveland right now, Dwayne Wade. uh, Sorry, Kyle Lowry is not the eighth-best guard 
in the Eastern Conference, folks. I'm sorry. So, so Toronto fans, hashtag NBA vote. I mean, like Cleveland fans are obviously voting, voting for their guys, which is good, but Toronto fans do the same. Damari's doing great, but Kyle Lowry is also part of that team as well. Now that said, we know... K-Y-L-E-L-O-W-R-Y. Are they spelling it wrong? Hashtag NBA vote. <laughs> that, that was an issue last year, with, right? They were People with, were spelling it incorrectly? Yeah, Justin, didn't Justin Bieber misspell someone's name? Uh, I'm um, sure he's misspelling a, a lot of names. But I, I can't... So... With that said, because you might, I, and I like that you bring it up, Josh. I feel like if you're injured when All Star voting starts and you have not played, you shouldn't be able to get like Isaiah Thomas shouldn't be able to get yeah, votes. But they create the ballots like before the season starts in terms of who, who's going to be eligible. Well, no, I, but you should be able to like take the like it's computerized. Can they not just like take yeah, ballots it's, it's, off? Because like, fa- then, is, but this is why they've added it goes back to, to it, it goes back to the year that Dwayne Wade was voted into starting lineup and then had to take the injury and they had to get it a reserve. Why not just like take yourself out of the voting? Like not, not even be eligible to vote. Like, you can't vote for well, that player in, in this case, if they're not going to play. In this case, it's not a big deal, right? Because right, we've got Isaiah that's in, I guess, like seventh or sorry, I think he's sixth. And then Wade is seventh, Lowry being eighth. So right. if you're seventh and eighth in all-star voting, that doesn't matter. The only issue, of course, is if you actually get voted in despite being injured, which used to be the case with like the Yao Ming types. Right. But uh, ultimately... Wade's not going to be in, not starting anyways, and, and the coaches aren't going to vote him in. Isaiah Thomas isn't going to be in, so yep. it's not a big deal. The fans have actually got it right in, in terms of the two that are actually going to be starting. Kyle Lowry, even if we, even if the Canadian fans stuff the ballot boxes, he's not going to get in there uh, on, a vote. on the vote anyways. So it'll be interesting now to see once the fan voting comes to a close, and I think there's still a few weeks remaining, what the coaches do, because right. Lowry is really on the cusp this year. I think he's having a he's having a good year. It's not his best season, but it's among his better seasons, and again, he's contributing to what's currently the second best team in the Eastern Conference. And that's why I think he's going to be an all-star. I think he's going to be an all-star, too. Coaches, but, t- coaches tend to reward, t- you know, I mean, unlike the fans, coaches definitely reward teams that are playing well. Right. And Kyle Lowry has earned that respect around the NBA and, and the coaches in the NBA. They know what he does and, and why what makes him such a great player. It's interesting, though. So you've got the two starting guards, which will probably be, we'll say for now, Kyrie and DeMar. Yep. So off the bench, you've got two guard spots. And then you've got three forward spots and two wild cards. So, so theoretically, there could be anywhere between two or four guards yes off the bench. Oladipo you figure is a lock, yep. right? You've got John Wall, you've got Bradley Beal, and you've got Kyle Lowry. So those are four guys for anywhere between two and four spots. Could be interesting. It will be. I, it, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting. We will continue the conversation because we didn't delve as far into DeMar DeRozan's world as I wanted to, but we've got lots of time to talk more Double D. Keep it locked right here as we continue on. Is Paul Pierce the new Salt Bay? We'll find out. TSN 1050's home court.